0: One, two, three. Welcome to the smartest Amazon seller podcast. It's your host Scott Needham. I am a almost a decade long Amazon seller, and really uh, every week uh, I've got new ideas and episodes to bring to you to uh, help you your business. you know, be smarter. Um, and I have with me a very interesting company that I've personally used, but also learned a lot from. And I've got the, the leader uh, uh, of uh, this company. This is, um, I got Rail from Z. And I'm gonna tell you a little bit more about them, but first, uh, Rail, welcome.
1: Scott thanks uh, it's great to be here obviously you know we we've uh, worked quite a, quite a bit together so it's uh, it's great to be on the show and uh, looking forward to
0: adding some value to your to your listeners yeah so um you know we were just at Casino Night at the Prosper conference a few weeks ago and i think you probably get the record for uh, traveling the furthest to be there um they're based out of uh south africa right
1: correct yeah that's uh it's about a 30 hour travel with a nine hour time change. Um, so it's, it it's, it really is the the other side of the world. I think what what what's a, a cool opportunity of working in South Africa is that because we're pretty much centrally located on the globe uh, and because our client base is really based all over the world, we can service clients in any time zone. You know, for us, early morning is like Asia and then middle, you know, middle of the day is UK and Europe, and then you know, late in the afternoon and evening is is the US. So, you know, across a full day for us, we can actually scope the entire globe. So a far way to travel for Prosper, absolutely worth it. Um, But uh, yeah, like I say, a a nice opportunity for us.
0: So I've rarely seen uh, companies do the same thing that you guys. I feel like Z just went from zero to 100 uh, in terms of uh, embracing and jumping in uh the amazon community and and, and servicing sellers a, in a unique way and i think we're going to highlight like like a, there's a few ways we're going to be like oh my goodness like like not a lot of people just like did <laughs> what you guys have done but um for those that like have never heard about z uh they uh um take a lot of the headaches around international logistics i use them in uh getting to australia with some products um and really, they, they, they take away a lot of the, the red tape. But first, um, let's just talk about, you know, what uh, is the opportunity of going international? When should people start thinking about it? And, um, and what are these like, what, what hurdles are out there? So, you know, the way we see it and, and what we've learned in, in,
1: in the industry is that when a seller is looking to uh, grow their business, uh, there's really two ways in which they do that. Uh, they either add some new products to their existing market that they're selling in, or they look to take their existing profitable, proven products um, and, and introduce them into new marketplaces, uh, like you did, Scott. So um, it is a difficult choice, especially for a US based seller, because the US market is so big. Um, so, you know, the opportunity to add additional products is an enticing one there's a lot of complexity in new product design raw material sourcing negotiation with manufacturers getting uh you know prototypes and tests to see if the quality is okay that that is an extensive and and quite a long process so the the other opportunity is to take your existing products that that you know sell well and introduce them into new marketplaces um and you know again even through traveling uh, through speaking to different people through servicing companies all around the globe Consumers act quite similarly across the world, uh, especially in the range of products that are sold on Amazon. So when you have a profitable product in your existing marketplace, we don't see why it shouldn't be profitable in the next. And uh, what we're going to talk about later is, you know, what you should be thinking about and what you should be considering before uh, going to that, you know, that new marketplace.
0: You know, a lot of ways the world uh, is, uh, starting to act more and more similar than they are different in the way that like uh, we consume, like, you know, uh, people like buying on Amazon in the U.S., they like buying in Europe, they like buying in Australia, like people like the simplicity and uh, there's a lot of products and brands that, you know, they they they, they go global um, and they do uh, fairly well in, in a lot of marketplaces. Um, when people talk to me, uh, I actually just received a question, uh, this last weekend about like, Hey, when should I go international? And I was like, I was like, well, maybe uh, there's a, there's a right time for everything. But, uh, I felt like it was a deeper question that, uh, that I didn't, you know, I couldn't just like answer in a few seconds. Like, ah, it probably takes like, you know, a few minutes because I'm like, I want you to know your hurdles before you, uh. You, you think about what it takes because like some of these hurdles, they're not necessarily hard. They just take a little bit of time and, and know how it's, it's about. It's about knowing what they are before you
1: before you jump into it. I, you know, I had this conversation with with quite a few sellers at Prosper around, you know, they said, look, you know, we tried it. We got the VAT registration. We did this. We shipped a couple boxes. It didn't really work out. And, you know, we kind of left it there because we didn't know how or what to do about it. Um, and And that's really what I want to talk about. Today, So, uh, you know, I think what would be valuable is talking about, you know, what other markets exist outside of the US and what you should be thinking about uh, overall, uh, you know, when going internationally and then specifically to a cup, you know, we'll touch on some of the, the larger marketplaces. So, yeah. it, you know, if I, if I talk about overall, you know, great. Uh, now I'm considering international expansion. What really should I be thinking about? And there's three things that you should be thinking about. The first is is there any type of entity compliance that you need in in the destination country? so and what I mean by that is VAT or GST or JCT registration, something that is a foreign concept to most. US sellers because sales tax works on a, a you know on a state level and not at a federal level. yeah in other countries around the world, their VAT or sales tax system you know is is applicable upon import and upon sale. So in certain countries, it's actually a legal requirement to have that registration before you're actually allowed to import and store goods in that uh, that country. That specifically speaks to Europe, the UK, and the UAE. Uh, If we talk a little bit about markets that are a little bit closer to home, like Canada, there is a GST system, but you can start importing there without actually having a GST registration until your, your annual sales reach a certain point. Right. And again, these these are things that you would need to find out before you before you
0: actually do it. Yeah. So, um, and like uh so I've done a little bit of this myself, and all I know is like some of them take a lot of time to get you have to like, you know, fill out a lot of documents here and there, right? So it depends which way you want to go about it. <laughs> um
1: it really it does. So you know, the, the, the sort of second uh, thing to consider, we, we, we'll get to the documentation and the bureaucracy in, in a moment, but- I,
0: right, I can't to, wait.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, what are the other things that, that should be considered, just, just briefly. Um, you know, the second is, what is the product that you're actually uh, looking to send there and what are the compliance requirements that need to be met before you actually allow to import and or sell those goods in that country? Uh, that's something that's you know uh, uh, misconceived and, and definitely overlooked by by a lot of Amazon sellers, uh, and Amazon are actually getting a lot more strict with this, especially in countries like like the UK and Europe. Uh, <laughs> the third is the third is customs compliance. Uh, so that talks to having uh, you know local representation, like an importer of record, to actually import on your behalf, making sure that your your goods have been classified correctly according to their HS codes, so the taxes paid are the right ones. And then the third where vat systems are applicable making sure that your customs documents are prepared in a way that you're actually allowed to reclaim your import back and again for a lot of us sellers this is a foreign concept it's like the government's actually going to refund me taxes and it's true they will uh, it just has to be done you know and, and done correctly and then the sort of third and last thing to consider is logistics, you know, for your new country, uh, your stock limitations will be lower. So do you have the appropriate logistics method and model, uh, to take your products there to begin with? And then can you build out and scale your supply chain as your, your sales start to grow?
0: Yeah. So, um, lots of small, but could be, you know, disastrous things if you, uh, You know, say you're shipping to a country and you haven't considered one or uh, like those, the several um, hurdles. So say, say I want to get started.
1: Like, what do I do? So I think let's talk country specific. I think that will make this. Yeah, that'll make this a lot more interesting for the listeners. So close to home, there's Canada. Okay. Um, a lot of sellers use what's known as North American remote fulfillment, where Amazon will actually fulfill orders in Canada from stock that is stored in a US fulfillment center. It's nice. It's a nice way of understanding what your demand is for Canada for that particular product. Uh, and if there's a demand, rather than, let's put it that way. If there's a demand, the caveat or the, or, the, or the difficulty there is that as the seller, you don't get access to Prime members and Prime members are the biggest spenders on the platform. You don't get access to them because Amazon can't guarantee next day delivery. So ultimately what you really want is a direct delivery to an Amazon fulfillment center in Canada. And in order to do that, you will need some form of local representation uh, uh, to to get your imports through, uh, like an importer of record. Uh, You'll need to consider the GST system. So in Canada, you don't need to be registered for GST before you start importing. You only need to register for GST once your sales reach around $90,000 Canadian dollars in any uh, annual period. Uh, The caveat there is that if you aren't registered, there's a 5% uh, import GST that you'll pay that you won't be able to get back. So that's something you'd need to build into your margins um, you know, as a starting point. And then yeah. from from there, it's, it's around setting up your supply chain uh, to, to do the most tax efficient import, because a lot of guys will say, look, OK, I'm going to send full containers uh, from China into the US, and then I'll pay, send my stock from the US to Canada. In that setup, you're paying duties twice. You're paying duties in the US, and then you're paying duties in Canada again. So, and again, that, that, that will impact your margin. So what you should be doing is speaking to your supplier in China and saying, look, you know, can you box and label and palletize for FBA? And then you choose the appropriate provider, like Z, uh, you know, which is something that we'll do and we'll pick up from, you know, directly from your supplier and get it delivered direct to, to Canada FBA. And then again, the, the, the sort of the, 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 the other thing that should be considered before those imports take place is what is the type of product uh, and what needs to, to, to be uh, presented at import or presented on the labels
0: from a product compliance perspective so that it's a fully compliant import. Yeah, um, and with product compliance, like uh, some categories definitely are a little bit more challenging than others. I think the, the most uh, challenging is probably grocery. Um, uh, maybe I'm wrong, right. but like, uh, I think they're a little more specific about language. Like you have to have ingredients here and some things just aren't approved by their their local, you know, uh, food uh, agencies. Uh, is there another uh, category or two that, that often gets people hung up? Yeah, so I would say food
1: uh, food supplements are probably the two and, and any type of medical device or product, those are generally the most difficult. Uh, second to that will be, you know, in the cosmetics category. All right. And then uh, after that would be like electronics.
0: Okay. All yeah. right. Um, but okay, I mean, there is a lot. Those are pretty big categories, and I'm, I know many listeners that do those categories. Uh, what um, what the, what do you have to do for product compliance? Like who is, who who cares? uh, from these countries perspective that like things are in order. So it'll be at two, two places, one at,
1: at import. So there'll be certain documents uh, that need to be presented, which include declaration of conformities or testing documents. Again, it just depends on, on the type of product. And then there'll also be certain documentation that Amazon will require from the, the products being legal for sale. Um, and those can be different, you know, uh, in, in Europe and the UK, it's, it's around, you know, responsible person or uh, CE markings and things like that. Um, you know, th- there are so many different products that are sold. And you know, I've seen different statistics around how many different products are sold on Amazon. I think the most reliable one that I've managed to see so far is 45 million uh, different SKUs that are, are sold across the globe. So you know, each product will have its own requirements for, for, or let's say category will have its own requirements for a specific country. Uh, the important part is that you have the right partner on board that identifies what's needed and then actually helps you get there uh, you know, initially and on an ongoing basis so that uh, you, know, you can keep imp- importing and keep selling. Um, I, th- I think it, it could be nice to talk a little bit more around um, you know, some of the other countries that present a, a nice yeah. opportunity for expansion.
0: Yeah 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 what other uh, I mean Canada's are uh is America's hat as we know it um what uh what's the what next country so
1: generally for for US sellers uh the UK would be looked to next um because it's English speaking so it takes the the translation of listings um complexity away uh one thing that should be noted though for the listeners you know when you're thinking about going to the UK um Translation of listing may not be one thing, but localization of listings is something to consider. So I can just present it by way of an example. So if you sell coloring in books um, and you spell color C-O-L-O-R in the US, right? spelled C-O-L-O-U-R in the UK, if you don't do that, that uh, localization, you miss out on PPC and organic search. So it is something to consider, you know, before you go. It obviously same language, but just slight nuances uh, that, that, that should, you know, that need to be considered. And then the the biggest um uh, if you want to call it hurdle, is that you need a UK VAC registration as well as an IORI number before you are actually able to store goods um in the UK.
0: Now, um at the beginning, I was I, I said that you know Z went from zero to a hundred. And I actually re I Made that description before I even found out um, all that you guys had done. You guys were, uh, you know, jumping in, helping sellers go international, uh, and you found out that like, you know, VAT was like this hurdle, and so you guys just bought a company that does this, right?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> it, it goes, it goes, it goes a little further than that. Um, you know, we're a part of, of a larger group um, of companies and. Uh, you know, that that has extensive experience in regulatory and VAT compliance over the last 25 years. So it's not something that's uh, foreign to us at all. Uh, it, it's something that we do have a lot of experience in. And obviously in the Amazon world, it's it, it's particularly uh, relevant because of certain countries that, you know, is a legal requirement to have a VAT registration before, before you can go live. Um, so we i think acquired or bought maybe is the wrong terminology but we merged with one of the other group companies uh, that form part of this group to actually offer the 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 service in-house so that the the seller doesn't have to go anywhere else um you know it becomes a one-stop-shop solution um you know where we do the registration we get you compliant we do the, the the periodic filings we pass your import documentation across to the filings team uh, to make sure that you can get your import back back uh, and you know and all of that should be able to you know we'd be aiming to go live with all of that internally from one july uh, so again the 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 important thing is that we we're problem solving for our sellers and we're making your supply chain a lot easier because you can just speak to you know sort of one account manager that can handle the various as we call them hurdles to go international
0: Yeah. um, So uh, localization um, and that compliance, like is pretty important for getting into Europe and the UK. Um, And uh, was there, was there anything more there? Yeah, I think, you know, next to, next to the UK
1: is, is Europe. And there's really two ways of, 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 of approaching Europe. Um, There's Amazon push quite heavily, you know, pan-European sales, uh, meaning that, they will. You can import into one country, and they will sell across all six: uh, Germany, France, Italy, Spain, Poland, and Czech Republic. That can be quite intimidating for a seller that's looking to just, you know, to kind of dip their feet in the water to go internationally. So, what we advise is, you know, start with one market, and and that market is going to depend on the demand for your product. And Scout, you've built an incredible tool like Smart Scout that helps sellers identify uh, markets. At, you know, for their products. So that's something that they should be using, you know, obviously, before they're looking to go internationally. But if we wanted, if I wanted to give some advice around um, where to start in Europe, it would be either in Germany or France. Um, France have have introduced a new uh, import VAT deferment scheme as of 1 January 2022. Uh, that is a big cash flow help to sellers. In short, it allows sellers to import into France without having to actually physically pay the import VAT and re- and reclaim it you just have to report it in a certain way uh, so that's quite a cash flow you know cash flow benefit it's also the second largest marketplace in Europe uh, next to germany germany is generally the first choice because it's the largest market it's where most of the demand will be and germany has uh, the german government are pretty efficient at uh, processing VAT refunds what people won't be so so uh, sure about is, you know, a lot of the time it's like, well, look, you know, I want to go to Italy, I want to go to Spain, I want to go to one of these other countries. I'm not going to talk specifically around which country and, and what, but I'm all I'm going to say to you is that countries that aren't Germany and France in Europe, it's very difficult to get your import back. Uh, we, we see this with our, our filings business. It's not easy. People are owed hundreds of thousands of euros. So when you're looking to go internationally, Uh, France and Germany really is where you should be
0: looking. Good to know. Yeah, one of our uh, products um, with uh, my cousin's business, ping pong paddles, really took off in France in a way that, like, you know, I didn't expect. And so I didn't know. You're the first actually that's told me that in Europe, you know, that France is actually in the number two spot. I mean, it does have a pretty big population, so... Exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay, then uh, I think you've mentioned importer of record, but like, what does that actually mean when you're shipping goods? So, the way that Amazon FBA works, I don't have to
1: explain this to any seller, but you remain the owner of your inventory until it arrives out of an Amazon Performance Center. And then from there, you know, Amazon will do last mile sale and distribution on your behalf. Uh, if you're in your, you know, if you're importing into the country where your business is registered, uh, you are the importer, no problem. When you want to start selling in in a new country like the UK, like Germany, like France, those countries want uh, the foreign seller to have local representation, taking on certain responsibilities and liabilities with customs. Uh, that you know, they're not easy to find, uh, but it's a business that we understand. We've been in it for the last ten years across other industries. So we understand it. We offer it as a service to to our sellers, and it really makes the first time customs clearance process uh, a guarantee. Number one, and number two, it also guarantees that the seller can actually reclaim their VAT uh, because the, the customs documents need to look a very certain way for that to be the case. And you know, certain freight forwarders and and other companies out there will tell you, look, you know, they can get. Uh, your goods into that specific country that needs an importer. But one of the things that is not considered and, and it's really important is that 19% or between 19 and 21% that you're entitled
0: uh, back to. And if your that's documents that, aren't... Prepared, you're, the first, you're the first that's ever talked about reclaiming that. I actually haven't heard anyone talk about it. Um, why? <laughs> or, I mean, like, it seems like such a no-brainer because like the the... The VAT, is, it's a big tax. It's
1: 20%. Correct.
0: I think, you know,
1: I don't know why it hasn't been spoken about, but I can tell you why we speak about it. And it's, it's because we understand what is important to a seller. And at the end of the day, that's margin on your product, right? You're yeah. going to buy a product for a certain amount. You're going to spend a certain amount advertising it. You're going to spend another amount getting it to the performance center. And after you've spent all of that, you've got to make, you know, it's, it's got to be profitable for you. If you pay, you know, 19 to 21% of your of the value of your goods at import and you don't get that back, that can completely wipe your margins out. So and, and again, you know, people don't talk about it because they don't actually know what happens post import. And, and, and I think that's also why a lot of people say, like, you know, look, I tried to go to Europe, I didn't understand it wasn't profitable for me. So I stayed away. But we are, you know, what we bring into the market is an education around how you can be profitable. Uh, In these markets, and you know, you know, something that's really interesting is uh, in Germany, uh, as an example, people perceive uh, um, quality uh, that's direct, directly correlated to price. So you can actually sell your products for more in in a German marketplace than you would in the US because it's perceived to be uh, of higher quality if it's of higher price. Right. Of course, if it's if it's not quality and people receive a horrible, horrible product, you'll get bad reviews. You won't sell it. Yeah. But again, it, 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 it can be uh you know sold. People shouldn't be afraid to increase their prices in those markets because of those different nuances. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, I have mentioned that, like even in the US, like I, I've mentioned that sometimes like you know, pricing is almost like a marketing strategy of its own. Absolutely. Um, all right. So, okay. So, let, uh, maybe we're, uh, I, I love the reclaiming VAT taxes. I think that's, uh, kind of changes my perspective on, uh, going international, um, and, uh, definitely need to dig into that. Um, now, um, okay, let's, let's go beyond Europe. What other marketplaces are, uh, from your perspective, uh, interesting, so there's a lot of hype around
1: uh, the Middle East, Japan, and Australia. Um, if we talk about Japan, that's you know that's the largest outside of Europe, so so third to the States. Japan have made it very difficult for foreign importers to import. Okay, I don't even say very difficult. It's basically impossible uh, for foreign importers to import certain categories. So food products aren't allowed. Cosmetic products aren't allowed. Uh, toys for kids under 6 aren't allowed but if you're in the category of general consumer goods home products uh, pet products that's a great market for you the co- the complexity i suppose in going to japan is that translation and localization is very important and product descriptions as well are very very important in that market so uh, no products will sell in english you've got to translate your your your, your uh, get your your listings translated into japanese number 1 Number two, you've got to speak to the Japanese seller. So you can't use colloquial American sales sort of tactics on on Japanese sellers. What they want to see is detail uh, in in the in the listing. They want to see what is this product? Are there lots of pictures? You know what does it contain? What are the benefits it's going to give them? And that all needs to be in
0: Japanese. Right. I, um, you know, I actually haven't lost Smart Scout yet. Just because the, uh, the, not the language, but like the, uh, uh, the alphabet or like the writing barrier, um, our database was crashing because it wasn't like, you know, typed in a Japanese thing. So that is a unique challenge uh, with the Japanese market altogether. And I, I, I just don't think you get very far without um, someone with a little bit more domain expertise. Um, look,
1: there, there are companies out there, uh, Scott, that will help you with your translation. Okay. And 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 the truth is, once a translation has been made, it's done. Your listing is translated. You pay once for it. It's, it's translated and it's, and it's fine. Um, if we want to talk about the things that needs to be considered before going to Japan, aside from those translations, uh, similar to to Europe and the UK, um, you need what is called an ACP registration something that Z can actually help you get. It's similar to what's known as a UK EORI number or or EU EORI number. It's just an identification number with customs. They also have a VAT system called Japanese Consumption Tax. But that's more similar to the the Canadian uh, system where you don't need to be registered before you start importing. You need to reach a certain sales threshold in an annual period before you need to be registered. But once again, the caveat is that any import JCT that you pay, you aren't able to reclaim and that needs to be put into your, uh, uh, you know, built into your margins. And, you know, if you use a company like ours, when we prepare quotations for you, we actually present to you a cost per unit, whether you can or can't reclaim your import JCT. And that'll obviously help you determine whether your your product is profitable.
0: Yeah. Um, well, we've just gone through an overview of, you know, so many marketplaces and so many specifics. I, I think, um, of anyone I've talked to, you know more about each of the nuances to each uh, each country and they they are uh, fairly different from each other. Um, where do you see um, where do you see the future going with uh, you know international? Do you think uh, it's get, it's getting easier? Or do you think the opportunity is getting better, or is it just uh, more of the same? To be honest with
1: you, I think we're at the tipping point of the international expansion opportunity. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, sellers have worked it out previously themselves, and they've seen a lot of success. You know, one of the things that aren't, you know, that isn't spoken about when, when we talk about international expansion is diversification of your business. You, I've, I've heard you speak in your podcast before where Amazon suspend your accounts in the US, right. for example. And it's a stressful, stressful situation. Three days, you're down, you're scrambling, trying to find a, a seller a, a seller support to get you reactivated. If you're selling in the US, Canada, Australia, the UK, Germany, if Amazon decides to suspend your account in the US, your sales will continue in your international markets. Uh, so, so it is a business di- diversification risk. Um, if you want to know if you want to answer that to the question, is it going to get more difficult? that I, that I can't answer. Uh, that is up to uh, different customs offices around the world. What I can say is that Amazon are pushing the opportunity um, really hard at their sellers. you know they are opening they wouldn't be opening up markets in all of these places if they didn't see it as a, an opportunity for their sellers. So based on that and based on the investment that Amazon are making in international marketplaces, the opportunity will only grow. Uh, and the, the, the important part when you're doing it is using the right partner to make sure that you're doing it in the correct way.
0: I, I agree. I think, you know, knowledge of those hurdles is like you're, you're at least asking the right question. Um, so like the, the VAT product compliance importer of record, and then if possible, uh, you know, import, uh, like the VAT reclaims. So you get some of that, uh, margin back, which probably goes straight to your bottom line. Um, and then you, you know, you know, the, the, the hurdles. Um, so, um, one thing that, uh, I've always been bad with on this podcast is actually ending the um, episode and figuring out what's like a way that I like. And I think I found something and you're going to be my first person that I test it um, with is um, now you've, you've been in business for a while and uh, you know, lived life. Share with me like um, just a final, like, you know, uh, or the smartest thing that you've either done with, uh, it, like it could be a life hack or a, a business hack and it could be related to the, the, what we're talking about this podcast or it could be like anything. Just leave us with uh, you know uh, what, what Rail says as is like you know uh, a, a smart contribution.
1: I, I, I'm so excited that you asked me that. So the Your podcast is called The the Smartest Amazon Seller. What we've just spoken about is what we believe to be the smartest way to scale your Amazon business. And the the hack that I'm gonna leave your audience with is aggregators have become a massive uh, part of the e-commerce space. And a a significant part of their strategy is acquiring brands that have fewer SKUs um, that can sell across multiple marketplaces. So whether you're going to sell to an aggregator uh, or build your own business and scale, you should be scaling it in the way that they do it. Um, that is the smartest way to scale your Amazon business.
0: Yeah. So I love it. Um, I, I really think that people should start thinking about aggregators. It's just like just big sellers, you know, um, that's what they do. They they, they sell on Amazon and, and, um, and they're sp- putting in the resources to figure these things out.
1: Absolutely. And, and again, you know, they want to build out and scale their brands. So they following the international expansion opportunity, number one. And number two, if you want to scale your business for an exit to them, why not scale it the way that they would beforehand? You'd, you'd get a, a, an increased uh, valuation multiple anyway. There's my my hack for sellers. Oh, I love mobile.
0: it! Um, uh, follow the aggregators. Look at look what they do. I I, t- I totally agree. They are investing so much in this stuff, and so and if you have a chance to like learn from them, uh, do it. Well, um, real thank you so much for for jumping in and talking about you know very technical things, and I think you you um, you just like you skated right through them all real quick and made it sound a little bit easier. Um so well but I've already uh, you know uh used your services. I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to use them more uh with uh some of our products and brands and um and actually thank you so much for coming out to our casino night at Prosper and uh hopefully you know you guys uh get enough off season that you know come next year you'll you'll also make the the journey again. No, absolutely. And Scott,
1: it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on, on, on the podcast. Um, you know, I love talking about what we do. I love the value that we bring to sellers. And I hope that, uh, you know, there was something that was at least learned, you know, from, from what I said. And if you're interested, if, 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 you if you know, there are a little bit, of, you know, there are certain complexities and hurdles that you need to, to jump through. We've made it our business to fully understand them, fully advise you, guide you and provide you with the services to actually get you there um so come and you know visit our website at z.co www.z.co and uh, we'd be more than happy to to have a conversation and see how we can we can help but scott thanks again and uh, right. it, was, it was awesome
0: spending some time with you
1: in uh, vegas
0: all right yeah what a thank you around uh that's z.co check it out um if you uh have questions all right well that will we'll wrap up there and um Thanks, everyone, for listening and stay tuned for future episodes. I've got some uh, great ideas of of maybe of how I update and shift the podcast around to make sure that it's as valuable for you as possible. All right. I hope everyone has a great week of selling. Take care. One, two,
1: three.